0: destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Coon and Taylor Eldridge.
1: Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Great to be back with you here in 2022. On today's show, Taylor will tell us what's gone wrong with the Shockers over these last few weeks and how they get back in track with two important home games in the AAC. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome back to talk angry with Kuhn and Eldridge Taylor. Great to be back with you. Our last show actually was posted on December 1st. At that time the shockers were five and one that evening they would have a good road win at Oklahoma State 60 to 51 to move to six and one. On that last show we were talking about can they go 11 and one in non-conference? Would this team be ranked if they go on a run that the way they have? And it just hasn't turned out that way. They're three and four ever since. And I want to go back to that Oklahoma state game. Cause I actually feel that was the last time that we saw true shocker basketball. Uh, they, they, you know, the offense was not pretty in that Oklahoma State game. There was a lot of different runs, but they fought, and they had that hard-fought victory on the road at the end. Ricky Council making some good moves at the end. Really everyone contributing, working the ball inside. And ever since then, the offense really has, has seemed to be lost. We've had uh, losses on consecutive weeks on national television. It's been non-competitive at times, particularly Memphis. Uh, you had streaks against Houston. They showed that they, you know, have the talent to be able to compete, but when you're only competing for, you know, 5 minutes out of a given half that's not going to lead to things and also I think Seth Davis summed it up perfectly on CBS last weekend When you can't score the basketball, it cuts down the margin for error on everything else. You virtually have to be perfect at rebounding, at defense, at hitting your free throws, at not having lazy turnovers. And I feel like last season, the offense wasn't great. But even though the offense wasn't doing fantastic, they still played great defense. Sometimes this year, that offense has led to you know, less than stellar defense, has led to turnovers, has led to foul issues. So just where, where do you think the Shockers are right now, and uh, how do we get back on track?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the offensive issues are, are becoming concerning. You know, we've been off for uh, about six weeks, and they haven't had a significant win in six weeks. You know, you look at just uh, who they've played, you know, you take out the three kind of uh, fluff games at at Coke Arena, and they've lost to K-State, North Texas, Memphis, and Houston, you know, all in a row. So, you know, it's been a long time since Wichita State has shown that it can beat a, you know, a a team of substance. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the offense has has really, you know, some of those bad habits we saw early in the season when they were still winning have now come up, and, uh, you know, it's become worse habits. And, you know, this team is, uh, you know, settling, for uh, contested jump shots, I think um, uh, they, they and then they're just struggling to make the open shots they do generate, and I think that's where a lot of the problems stem from. Is just you know, like uh, Seth Davis said, you know, the the margin of error becomes so thin when you can't make you know a, a good chunk of the wide open shots that you generate, and for Wichita State, you know, that's that's even more true because. You know, this is just not a, you know, just simply put, you know, it's not, not a good shooting team, no matter how good they look in practice. Uh, you know, at, at this point you are what the numbers say you are. And, you know, they're a bottom 70 team in shooting. Can they improve on that? Yeah. They're not going to be a great shooting team though. So they need to start cashing in on the open looks that they do generate. And then, you know, the biggest thing, uh, that I think uh, you know the fan base likes to talk about is you know the, the decline of uh, Tyson etienne and his efficiency and you know he's still putting up uh, you know a pretty good uh, points per game average, but you know his his uh, efficiency has uh, definitely declined this season. you know the quality of looks that he's taking have definitely declined this season. you know he's on the ball more so he's taking more shots off the dribble. and then the some of the catch and shoot, uh, looks that he is getting you know they're, they're coming he's coming off uh, screens and he's catching and he's going up over you know two guys uh, you know is off balance to land on one leg or and those are just you know tough shots to, to cash in on and you know one two three shots like that a game you can probably handle you know he's a tough shot maker he can make those shots but when that's like you know the majority of your shot diet that's just not a good roadmap to you know efficient basketball, and uh, you know I think Tyson needs to get back to to more of uh, what he was doing last year, which was just catch and shoot. You know when he has a sturdy base, can come, you know, jump off two legs, come down on two legs, uh, you know, same spot. And uh, and WSU, I think they need to do a little bit be more a little bit more creative in getting him wide open looks. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be tough because. Every team is, is just, you know, going crazy trying to guard him, making sure that, you know, that's the number one thing on their scouting report is to don't give Tyson Etienne good looks. But, uh, you know, WSU can, can definitely help him out a little because, you know, he's just not surrounded by a lot of shooting, uh, you know, gravity. And that's allowing teams to, to really come off, uh, you know, help on Tyson, make sure he doesn't get a clean catch uh, when he drives you know, people are just collapsing because they know the kickout's not—you know—really much of a threat. So you know, the cars are a little stacked against him. But man, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, he's got to be more selective in his shooting. And uh, you know, that, that's really what what this boils down to is—you know—can they get the offense figured out? Because the potential is there. I mean, they play pretty pretty solid defense. They're a much better rebounding team this year compared to last. So uh really if they can just they need to cut down on those turnovers and and maybe make a few more shots just get that that percentage creeping up there uh, a little bit more and then this team you know the ceiling is there for this team to to compete for the top of the American but you know if they if they're playing offense like the way they have been you know this is going to be kind of a rough season and can definitely you know compared to a lot of preseason expectations but you know still plenty of time only two conference games in But man, you know, this is about as close to a must win game as you get this early in the season tomorrow night at Tulane or get Tulane at home
1: in my opinion both of the home games this week are are must wins uh you have Tulane which is off to a fast start in second place and Cincinnati at one and two but from a Ken Palm perspective virtually neck and neck with the Shockers and you know I, I just I think this is too proud of a program to have moral victories I saw some fans saying well you know we we got that close against Houston it wasn't as bad as the week before against Memphis and I realize both Memphis and Houston have fantastic talent you know you know, we seemed a little outman uh, down low, but still, like, you know, the, the, in the game against Memphis, that's their worst home loss uh, since the early 2000s. They just don't seem to want to impose their will on any of these teams and and there is talent which is confusing because i think this is the most talented and athletic shocker team that we've seen in several years but uh, the, the puzzle just doesn't seem to be fitting together right now and i guess in my opinion you can only say you know we're a veteran team or we're going to get back in the gym so off op- so many times and then it's just it's kind of goes on dead ears or deaf ears because it's you know they're, they're just not producing the results they had a week off in between memphis and houston and that start down in houston which I know is a very tough place to play against a defense that is is difficult and forces a lot of turnovers, but it just looked uninspired. And then, you know Your offense is struggling as it is. Now you're down 5, 10, 15 points in some of these games right off the bat. So I'd like to see them just play with a, a little bit more energy uh, as, a, as a team because you know it's there. You've seen it happen. You see all these guys have the talent, but just finding ways to put it together. And like I said, I think both of these games this week and, and really all of your remaining games at Coke have to be considered must wins. You don't play Houston or Memphis again until late February. So if you're going to go on a run, this
2: is the time to do it. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, I mean, I, I still think that, you know, a lot of people have kind of dismissed the the chances of this team reaching the NCAA tournament uh, as an at-large team. But, uh, you know, the, the opportunities are there for them. You know, you just have to win the right games and you can't take uh, probably any more losses at home uh, especially, uh, you know, before that Houston game. So they're going to have to defend home court and then p- start picking up, you know, the, the chances are there, you know, SMU, UCF, um, you know, Memphis uh, in March, you know, there, there are chances. They're going to be like Q1 chances for this team. And they're going to have to pick up a lot of them to make up, you know, for uh, it's, it's kind of a weird resume. You know, they haven't lost to a bad team, but, you know, when you lose, uh, these games at home they really, really severe, severely, severely, uh, you know, damage your chances. So you know, WSU is definitely uh, holding on by a very thin thread. And uh, yeah, I mean, a loss at home uh, this week would probably uh, would spell the end of their chances at a large bid. You never know. You know, maybe they they win out and go on some crazy run. But if we're just talking about you know most likely scenario. You know, if they lose this week, uh, you know, their at large chances are over. And they are just, uh, you know, focused on what they can do in Fort Worth at that point. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, the offense, it it is kind of bizarre, uh, you know, how much they have struggled because they have good offensive pieces. And, uh, you know, this team is still trying to click. Uh, You know, their their spacing is still bad uh, from what I'm seeing. Uh, Their shot making, you know, is poor, you know, on those wide open looks that they do get. And then, like I said, you know, with Tyson kind of forcing things a little bit on the offensive end, uh, you know, it's just been a bad mix. And, uh, you know, the last two opponents have been a really bad matchup for, you know, Morris Udeze. Those are the two most aggressive, physical, you know, big uh, teams in the AAC. So it was tough, uh, you know, when you take a big part of Wichita State's offense. And really, that was probably the most uh, efficient part of WSU's offense for a lot of this season. So you take that out and, and it's really been tough for them to get things going on offense recently. So, uh, I, I, would, you know, if I'm the coaching staff, I think it's to the point now where you got to make, uh, you know, a significant change and, you know, he, he's gone to, you know, that veteran lineup with Joe Pleasant at the four. And, uh, you know, I think at this point, you know, it's obviously not working for Joe. Um, I think you just got to, um, change it up just for, you know, Uh, try to spark. You know, everyone. You know, maybe Joe is better coming off the bench. Uh, I would look at you know maybe starting uh, Monzi or Ricky Council. In my mind, I think Wichita State should just go small. Play four guards. Put Ricky at the three, and then Dexter at the four. And I mean, you're giving up size, but you know, at this point, those are the five best offensive players you can put on the floor and starting every game with your best players on the floor. I mean, it just makes sense when a, a team like this is struggling so much on the offensive end. I, I really like uh, Monzi coming off the bench because he just, you know, switches the game up so much. He brings so much energy. I think he's uh, you're really good off the bench. And then, you know, you work Joe in and, uh, and maybe that, you know, provides a spark for him because, you know, he was a very solid scorer for an NCAA tournament team last year and he just really hasn't been able to show you know much of his skill set this year and it's just been you know just it just hasn't felt like it's clicked at all for him at any point this season so uh, maybe that'll help him you know bring him off the bench give him kind of a different perspective on the game so um, I think at this point they got to change something up because you know what they've been doing recently just hasn't been working
1: to your point, the offense looks so much better when they work the ball down low and when they're driving to the basket, when they're passing it around, getting stagnant, taking these late contested shots. It's, you know, that that's what's led to the, the you know, kind of streak that they've been on here, um, you know ultimately it's going to come down to the players and you know we did hear Isaac Brown say in his press conference today that they're beating him to the gym every morning their the morale seems good they went through some you know uh, tough times together last year so
2: it it absolutely can happen but it's got to start happening here pretty darn quickly yeah I mean time is is definitely running out and I think they're still trying to mesh um, you know uh, I guess, personalities, and, you know, it is a little, I mean, a lot of these guys were on last year's team, but I, I do think, you know, you add a few new uh, newcomers to the mix, you know, Al-Tariq Gilbert being gone is obviously the biggest change, and I think they're just still trying to, to you know, weave everything together because, you know, Craig Porter is so much uh, different at point guard than Al-Tariq and, and even uh, Quay Grant, too, so, you know, that's really had a uh, you know maybe I I mean maybe we all underestimated just how valuable Tariq was to the offense last year. You know you could quibble with his shot selection at times, but you know the, the facts were. I mean he just never turned the ball over, and I think that steady veteran presence um, really you know kind of rubbed off on the team. And this year you know man Wichita State is just struggling so much with uh, turnovers, and uh, you know you go against a a, g- a great defense like Houston you know, they're one of the best teams at forcing turnovers, but, you know, you go back and watch those turnovers that Wichita State had, and a lot of them were were unforced, just silly, just lazy passes, uh, you know, uh, the Joe Pleasant, you know, he didn't catch it, the alley-oop in uh, the transition, uh, you know, the the Tyson Etienne atomic bomb at the end to basically, you know, end the game, that one was, uh, you know, horrendous. Uh, the The first play of the game, you know, Craig Porter just dribbling down, just throwing a a pass to Joe Pleasant and it, you know, just uh, throwing it too high and turnover right off the bat. So that kind of set the tone. And, uh, you know, these are easy things to clean up. It's not like, you know, Houston's pressure got to them. Uh, Maybe it did in terms of, you know, rushing shots. I mean, they took a lot of bad shots that game. Uh, Maybe it showed up in that aspect. But in terms of turning the ball over, you know, Wichita State was its, its worst enemy in that game. And, You know, uh, possessions are so valuable against great teams like Houston. You can't afford to throw away, you know, six, seven possessions without even, you know, making them uh, work very much for them. So uh, that was a a killer for WSU because they actually played, you know, after that rough start, they actually played a pretty decent game, you know, when they attacked, um, you know, the rim. You know, they shot 50% on two-pointers, uh, they were able to get to the line a few times. You know, they were, they had success the, the very few times they were able to run and transition. But, you know, another cold shooting performance from three and then just silly, silly turnovers, you know, what, what kind of doomed them. And, uh, you know, they, they got it back late, that nine zero run run to, to get it down six. They run a, a beautiful set for Dexter Dennis. They got him a wide open three. Uh, great look, just didn't fall. You know, if that falls, it's an entirely different game. You know, it's a three-point game, still four minutes left. So, uh, you know, who knows what could have happened there? And then, obviously, WG has another chance. And then, like I said, the Tyson atomic bomb was, uh, you know, maybe the worst atomic bomb of, of them all because that that really kind of uh, sealed the game. It felt like so. Um, yeah, I mean, they were right there, but I thought Dexter Dennis kind of said it well. You know, it's like we're showing our grit, our toughness. For, you know, five minutes, but, you know, this is a 40 minute game and we can't afford to get down, you know, 15 points and then show it, you know, they need to start showing it to, to get leads and, and protect them instead of, you know, turning a embarrassing loss into, you know, salvaging it into a respectable effort.
1: And the same thing happened against Memphis in the second half. You know, really, we're not competitive for, I'd say, 80-90% of that game. But there was a small section in the second half where they did have a comeback, kind of started to make you think, can, can they pull it? Close here. So they've shown that they can play with these teams. And once again, not every team you play is going to be a Houston or a Memphis, but you, just, you want to see that the players have that hard and that they want it. You see it from guys like Monzi. I've been really impressed with how Craig Porter's been playing here as of late, but just as a whole, as a team, uh, you hope that it, it clicks here pretty darn soon. To your point this week, they will play Tulane, which has a smaller lineup and, and should be able to get the ball down low. Uh, and and Cincinnati you know, should have uh, some fairly good matchups there as well. I will say Wichita State is turning the ball over more than both Tulane and Cincinnati. They're averaging 13.6 turnovers, whereas Tulane and Cincinnati are out only at 11 and 10. So taking care of the basketball will be another key this week. If you can only pick one thing, Taylor, that this team would shore up or, or clean up that would help them start winning games again, what would that be?
2: I mean, the, the outside shooting would probably be the obvious one, but, uh, you know, the real, I mean, that's, you know, at this point, I mean, it's been four years now. So, you know, they kind of are who they are there. I think the realistic one though is uh, turnovers. You know, this is a team, you know, Craig Porter is, uh, you know, he's a solid point guard and it just seems like it's not just all on him. But it, it just seems like the, the, this team just has uh, too many, you know, silly turnovers. And uh, they're just turning the ball over a lot. And, you know, the, the two things that came to mind was, you know, um, limiting turnovers and then just being better in transition. Um, you know, I mentioned that, that alley-oop pass that Tyson threw in transition uh, to Joe that went through his, he- uh, through his hands. You know, that, that basket, if they score that, it's a tie game early. Uh, you know, which i say would have had more momentum, Uh, you know, who knows how, you know, those little things would have affected uh, the course of the game. So those are the things that that come to mind for me is just, you know, being better. I mean, this team should be good in transition. They have so many athletic big guys, uh, you know, on the wings, Dexter and Ricky, Monzi, guys like that who, who can run the floor and should be devastating in transition. And then, you know, when you run, it's harder for defenses to match up with Tyson Etienne you know, in theory, he should be able to, you know, uh, leak out and, and get wide, you know, more open three-pointers, uh, you know, if, if they push the ball. But, you know, that just hasn't been the case. Uh, so, yeah, just being better in transition and and limiting turnovers, I think, are the realistic, uh, you know, routes to to improving the offense.
1: And you know what? The fans need to bring it more as well. I tell you, that Memphis home game, I know the weather didn't help, but I think that was about the weakest, you know, crowd for a, a big game where you're striping the arena that I have seen. Now, certainly the the play on the floor didn't give them much, but I, I think, you know, we need to see Kokarina a little more full than it has been here lately and and hopefully get these guys going back in the right direction. And and just to reiterate, I don't want to get on a soapbox or anything, but this program is too good to just say, you know, hey. We played good for a little stretch there, so maybe we're making progress. Like The idea when you made the move to the American was that you're going to compete. You're going to be top three to four in the conference every year. You're going to be in the NCAA tournament discussion. They've really hurt their opportunities here over the last six weeks since our last show. But hopefully, now that we're back, this team can get back on track. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for two key home matchups with Tulane and Cincinnati. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers will look to get their first win of the conference season Wednesday with a home matchup against Tulane. They come in at 6-7 and seven on the year, but they're 3-1 and one in the AAC, currently good for second place. Ron Hunter in his third season was picked to finish ninth in the AAC this year, but they have wins over Memphis, Cincinnati, and South Florida. They did lose to East Carolina in overtime, but uh, you know this is an improved team. They have a good guard in Jalen Cook Cook. that I believe is the second leading scorer in the conference right now. And while they're a little smaller, which should should in theory be a better matchup for the Shockers, this is still going to be a tough game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, when I was uh, doing my preview of the conference, I really, really liked Jalen Cook. LSU transfer, uh, you know, that's kind of been the formula for Ron Hunter to turn this program around. And it just kind of speaks to how the transfer portal has changed college basketball. I mean, a program like Tulane, Uh, now you can go out and get, you know, SEC guys that weren't playing, disgruntled guys there, and now you can bring them in and kind of hand the ball over. And that's been, you know, the recipe for success. You know, they did it with Jalen Forbes last year, who was their best player last year. He was from Alabama. And now they brought in another guy, Jalen Cook, and uh, he's absolutely, I mean, he reminds me a lot of kind of Kendrick Davis at SMU, kind of a Kendrick Davis light. Um, I, I think this guy could, you know, seriously challenge for first team all conference. I think I had Tulane pegged at like eight. Um, you know, I could see seven. Um, I think the top six are pretty solid, but you know, it would not surprise me if they. You know, this is definitely going to be the best Tulane team since Wichita State has joined the Americans. So this isn't going to be the same. You know, uh, you know, team that WSU should beat by 10, 15 points. You know, WSU is going to have to play a, a very good game. On Wednesday to to get this win, and uh, you know they've been tough to stop on offense, and then they, they play this matchup zone that's uh, kind of a funky look, and it's had uh, you know tremendous success. You know they, it's so bizarre because you know this is a team that went three and six in non conference, and they lost uh, you know teams like Charleston and Valparaiso and Southern. You know at home too so it's not like they this is anybody saw this coming and then they they turn around they beat memphis at home memphis you know missing their three best players whatever but still memphis and then cincinnati on the road in a game where i think they got up by like 25 points uh, so they're off to such a good start so impressive what ron hunter has done down there and uh yeah I think the the, the matchup zone defense—that's the biggest thing that I'm going to be watching for in the game tomorrow night. Just how Wichita State goes about attacking that. And I wrote in my story today that this is kind of you know it's going to challenge WSU's offense and all of the things that it struggled with uh, this year. So I think it's kind of fitting that you know if WSU's going to get that first win, they're going to have to work for it, and they're they're more than likely going to have to you know shore up those weaknesses. That they've shown all season, you know, things that they've struggled with, you know, like, you know, uh, good spacing, you know, knocking down wide open shots, driving the kick, you know, being in control, um, you know, just decisive passing, good ball movement, you know, good player movement. uh, All these things that they've struggled with, you know, those are the ways you beat a zone defense and Tulane's probably going to play a zone, I would imagine, for the entire game. So um, that's the, the big matchup in my eyes, how Wichita State goes about attacking that and uh and uh if they can you know exert their their size advantage you know one of the few teams are going to be bigger than um so you know can they they cash in on those second chance opportunities and can they generate enough because uh, you just have to kind of expect that it's going to be a cold shooting game because that's just how they've been shooting all year so how many second chance points can they generate
1: if Wichita State is going to climb back into this conference race, this is just simply the the type of games that you have to win at home. You know, when you look outside of Houston and to some degree Memphis, the rest of the conference is just kind of beating up on each other. When we look at Tulane, or even just the two teams this week, Tulane beat Memphis since the USF lost to East Carolina – since he beat SMU, who we think is good, but lost to Tulane and Memphis. So kind of that middle of the pack of the conference is just beating up on each other. And so Wichita State, really, with a good week, could climb right back in uh, at least the race to be in that top three or four in the conference. And and who knows where you go from there. As I mentioned, they do have quite some time before they have to play a a Houston or a Memphis again. Uh, As far as Tulane is concerned on the stats side of things, they score 73.1 points per game and allow 72.5. 2, shooting at 44% from the field and 36% from three. They're minus 7.5 in rebounding margin. So I think Mo Udeze needs to
2: have a, a, a real good game. Yeah, Mo, uh, Monzi, um, you know, Ricky Council, guys like that that can go up and get offensive rebounds. I mean, the opportunities are going to be there. Whenever you play a matchup zone, you know, you don't have an assigned man so, uh, you know, it's tough to, to box out. It's tough to put a body on every single person. So this is a game which I'll say definitely needs to control the glass, uh, really hit the offensive glass hard. Uh, and, you know, who knows? Maybe they, they can get a, a good shooting night. Uh, then you, you factor in the second chance points, too. You know, maybe which I'll say this will be the breakout game where things start to click. Uh, but, you you know like i said i mean that that matchup zone is going to force wsu to do things that they've struggled with up until this point so we'll see if they can uh, you know get that corrected but like you said i mean if you're going to start to make a run it's it's got to happen wednesday night
1: they do have a common non-conference opponent in Alcorn State. Tulane beat them 85-64. to 64. The Shockers beat them 82-63. to 63. Of course, Tulane beat Memphis, but that was a Memphis uh, roster that had some folks out for COVID. Game will be on ESPN Plus on Wednesday. Moving on to Sunday, the game against Cincinnati. The Bearcats come in at 11-5 and 1-2. And and they will play East Carolina on Wednesday. Uh, game is at noon on ESPN, so for our Shockers, we cannot lose three consecutive weekends on national television so hopefully able to take care of business
2: yeah Cincinnati I really like what they've done in the first year with Wes Miller I think he's a very very good coach you know give him time let him you know get um his his recruits in there I think they're going to be right back up there they might be back up there this season just because the Americans so wide open uh so basically Really, really good defense. Um, the offense has been uh, pretty, pretty average, pretty below average. So, you know, they they just don't have that star player that they've had in years past. You know, no Jaron Cumberland, no Keith Williams. Uh, it's very spread out attack. Um, so you know, Wichita State's gonna have to be fundamentally sound on defense. But this is a game where you know they should be able to you know put their clamps down, and and then it's just gonna be a defensive battle. You know, Cincinnati has a lot of size. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the country at protecting the rim. Uh, you know, they're number six on Ken Palm right now in, def- in defensive effective field goal percentage. Uh, and that's because teams are only shooting 41% on two-pointers. So that's the fourth best mark in the country. Uh, so like I said, you know, they're very, very good inside the arc. Uh, you know, so you're going to have to make jump shots to, to beat them. And, uh, you know, it just goes back to, you know, smart defenses have collapsed in the paint. You know, North Texas, K-State, uh Houston you know all those teams have really collapsed and, and made which I say try to beat them on the perimeter so uh it's going to be a kind of a cat and mouse game there can the shockers generate anything inside the in, inside the arc or is it going to be one of those games where they're just you know st- stuck, you know, shooting 33-pointers in a game. It's just not a, you know, a good recipe for success for this team. So we'll see if Wichita State can exert, you know, its will. I think you kind of mentioned it at the start of the podcast. It just feels like this team hasn't really made other teams, you know, uh, feel them. You know, it, it seems like they're always playing from behind, always chasing the other team. You know, uh, I think this that's a challenge for this team to, to you know, go out, go up by 10, make the other team feel you on defense and kind of exert your will on the opponent. That's something that this team hasn't really done. So uh, maybe it will happen this week, two good chances to do it at home. Uh, and, you know, Cincinnati's a good good, um, a good a team. I mean, I, I have them picked in the top five. And, uh, you know, you could kind of – I think Houston's kind of on a tier on its own, and then after that it's, you know – you can pull names out of a hat and I would believe you who would finish second, who would finish, you know, six. So, um, going to have to play well and this is just another good defense. They're going to be up against
1: all this team's runs all year long, even going back to Arizona and UNLV all seem to come in the second half. I don't know if we need to get these guys some five hour energy in the locker room before uh, you go out for the first half or what, but it's, a, you know, I, Like you said, come out and win the first five minutes or force the other team to take a timeout. Get a little bit of momentum on your side early in a game and and not playing from behind. For whatever it's worth, the Shockers are Kin Palm 74. Cincinnati is Kin Palm 75. They're led in scoring by 6'7". Junior guard Jeremiah Davenport scoring 13.1 points per game. And you know what else? We owe Cincinnati. They knocked you out of the AAC tournament last year in Fort Worth when you were the one seed, when you had aspirations of making the NCAA. A tournament turned it into a first four game with that Cincinnati loss where you lose to Drake. So it just, you know, Wichita State fans, and, and I think deservedly so, we like to talk a big game and and I think we have a great program. But since moving to the American, you can't lose to Houston every single time. You can't lose to Cincy every single time. You can't lose to, you know, UCF or whoever it might be and then still say that you're, you're top tier. So we we got to get it going here.
2: Yeah, and you just have to, you know, you especially have to protect home court. You know, uh, if they can just, you know, win out at home, uh, I think that's going to be the big challenge. I mean, who knows? This might this whole season might come down to that that home game against Houston once again. You know, you remember last season uh, that was kind of, you know, they were probably on the outside looking in. Then they beat Houston at home, and that kind of uh, uh, flipped the the season for Wichita State. And you know, this very well could be another situation where that happens. Uh, you know, three games uh, after that to to finish out, but you know that's going to be the key one for Wichita State, I think. Uh, but you got to protect home. Um, two in Cincinnati, you know, those are solid teams, good teams, but you know they're not that that top tier where the, you know Wichita State is going to be the underdog. So you know they're they're still favored to win these games, and uh, yeah, I mean they got to protect home court. I mean that's the formula they used last year to win the conference championship. Uh, you know, who knows if that's, uh, you know, a possibility this year. Houston's looking – I mean, I doubt that they lose more than two or three games. Uh, I mean, I just love the way that they play. So who knows if that's an option this year. But, you know, to to make that push, to get momentum back on your side, you got to play well at home.
1: Have there been any surprises from these early games in the American to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, Tulane. I mean, that's the team really that's, uh, you know, going on the road and beating Cincinnati – uh, you know, even if it was a depleted Memphis team, that's still, a, you know, a tough team to beat. Uh, so for them to, to go 3-1 and one to start the season, definitely been a surprise. And then Temple has been the other one. You know, they lost their best player early in the season, Khalif Battle. And then, you know, Damian Dunn has just been on a game-winning uh, kick, you know, two straight games. Damian Dunnett's hit the game winner to beat UCF on the road, and then East Carolina. So uh, I thought Temple was just not going to have enough offensive juice uh, to do much of anything in this conference. I think I picked them tenth. They're already off to a you know a two and two start with a nice road win at UCF. So um, they might be a little bit better than I anticipated. But yeah, I mean it's kind of been the, the teams from the bottom rising up. Uh, Temple and Tulane, and even you know East Carolina has shown a little bit more punch then uh you know i really like tristan newton i think he's one of the best players in the conference so uh, i think this isn't you know the the aac of years past where there's been a pretty clear divide you know those bottom three four teams every year have been pretty you know you know gimme wins for the most part at home um and i don't think that's the case this year i think south florida is, is in that category but everybody else you know i think everybody else could beat anybody on a given night so Um, I think this is a very deep conference, but like you said, I mean, I think this is a conference that's going to beat up on each other. I think second through fifth, you know, are going to take five, six, seven losses, and it's going to hurt, you know, the American come NCAA tournament time. I think it's going to be probably a two-bid league. You know, you're going to have Houston and then probably whoever finishes second or makes a nice run in the conference tournament. I just think that these teams are going to beat up on each other. And UCF starting one and two that that really hurts because they they came in with so much uh, momentum they just beat Michigan by like uh, fifteen and uh, for them to go one and two to start really really hurts the conference because you know if they would finish top three they probably get in at large but now that they're getting beat down you know that just kind of hurts it uh, the case for everyone else.
1: And I tried to come into today's show with a positive mindset. I said, no, boy, it's the talk, angry curse. Now that we're back, these boys are going to be back to playing well. But I will say, if you can't figure out how to score the basketball, every single one of these games is going to be tight. We talked about the cardiac shockers last year. You know, winning all these games by five points or less, or seven points or less, and it's going to come down to that again because you know, just going back to that, you lose the margin for error when when you can't put it in. So, hopefully, we're ahead for brighter times. Though I know one brighter time is when we have buy or sell with producer Brian.
0: All right, let's get straight into it. We talked earlier about Tyson Etienne struggling with efficiency this year. So, buy or sell is Tyson Etienne putting? pressure on himself to be the hero to be the guy who's gonna save this team and it's making it harder for him to be the the player of the year that he was last year let's start with you taylor
2: yeah i'll buy that i think they're there i think he is uh putting you know pressure on himself to perform and it's kind of affecting his shot selection because i think he, he just has it in his head that he's got to you know kind of rescue the offense and um you know, it's it's just not leading to great looks for him. And it's obviously hurt, you know, um, you know, probably his, his uh, draft status in the eyes of Scouts because, you know, you just look at the efficiency and, uh, you know, the usage rate has gone up. The efficiency has gone way, way down. And um, so it's kind of hurt him. I still think I, I'm still a believer in him as a pro prospect because I think if you surround him with good shooters and a five-man that can actually, you know, short roll or even pick and pop, Um, I I think he would be very dangerous, uh, you know, running the pick and roll surrounded by, you know, better shooting gravity. But I think that's part of the problem, too, is that Wichita State just not really equipped to play the way that that he probably needs to play to get to the NBA. You know, he needs to go back to what he was doing uh, more of last year, which was more of a spot-up shooter, um, you know, driving kick guy. And, uh, you know, that's that's what one of you co-MVP of the conference, and uh, we haven't seen that version yet. Who knows? It's still plenty of time to turn it around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it comes back to, you know, him putting a lot of pressure on himself. And uh, it's kind of, you know, uh, you know, when you're just not shooting well, that just kind of compounds it, I think, a little bit.
1: I'm going to buy that as well. Tyson has taken 45 more shots than the next closest shocker. Most of the players on the roster haven't even taken 45 shots on the season. So, you know, particularly now I will say it's a little bit of a catch 22. I was telling producer Brian this before the show. When they do get down by 10 or 15, he is a bad shot maker. And when they need a shot, I'm I'm the one saying, come on, Tyson, get down there and and give me something. So, you know, I I recognize that he's been our only offense at times, but it's it's been forced, uh, you know, like a lot of the offense. And when you're not making those open shots, it makes it even more difficult. But, uh, yes, I'll buy that.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say, too, that, you know, he needs to be benched or, you know, IB needs to, you know, hold him accountable and, uh, you know, uh, he needs to, you know, come off the court. But you know, if you look at the stats, or I, I've seen people basically say that Wichita State is, is better without Tyson because of, you know of the poor shot quality that he is taking and how many he is. But you know, I, I, you look at the the stats. I'm pulling it up right now. Wichita State has been better with Tyson on the floor in like every single game this season. It's not even close. So I mean, he has one of the better plus minuses. Uh, and obviously he has a huge impact on plus minus because he is, you know, has the ball in his hands so much. So that's one of the plus minuses that I do believe. And, uh, you know, it's just not the case where, you know, if he's on the bench, Wichita State would be better because that's just not how, you know, these games have played out. And, you know, obviously he plays a lot of minutes, so it's not a huge sample size, but I'm looking at it right now. And Wichita State's offense has been better with Tyson on the floor in nine straight games. And 11 of the 13 he's played in so you know it's pretty much a case closed i mean he he makes the offense better just his shooting I, I just don't think people realize how much his gravity affects the offense for everyone else you know he's getting so many open shots uh i've seen another constant criticism is though he doesn't have a lot of uh, assists well one you know, you got to make shots to, to to have assists, and you know WSU's other players just are not making uh, very many shots. He's making a lot of good passes, but you got to make shots. And then two, uh, you know, some of these, uh, uh, when he screens, people are so worried about him, what he's going to do. It's opening up the guy he's screening for. Uh, I mean, this last game, Kenny Podo had a wide open slip to the basket because the defense was so worried about Tyson coming off the screen. Uh, You know, he just draws so much attention on defenses that, I mean, stuff like that just doesn't show up in the box score, but it's making life easier for everyone else on the offense. So uh, pretty clear that that Wichita State's offense is better off, you know, with him on the floor.
0: All right. Well, that seems like the perfect time to segue. Should Chauncey Jenkins be getting more minutes? Maybe not trying to take over all of Tyson Etienne's minutes, but if you're going to try and give... Tyson, some time at the one. Chauncey brings you some length, some athleticism. I have been impressed with his uh, defensive ability, ability to fight through screens, and he's just getting such scraps as far as opportunities. Should he be getting some more of those guard minutes by yourself? Let's start with you, Dustin. I 100%
1: buy that. I've been saying that for weeks. Um, I don't claim to be a basketball expert. Taylor knows a lot more than I do. And IB knows a lot more than both of us, but, and for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to break through. And it's been two years now that he hasn't been able to break through, but, uh, I, I think he's too athletic not to be on the floor. And when you're getting the results that you're getting out of some of these other players, there, there's gotta be some minutes to go around.
2: Yeah, I'll buy that too. I think at this point it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier when, you know, what they're doing up until this point just hasn't worked uh, for a while now, you know, six weeks. Uh, so I think you just have to switch things up. You know, I, I mean, me personally, like I said, I would start Ricky in the starting five. I would play small, Dexter, the, that four-guard lineup. That's the lineup that actually brought them back in that Houston game that went on the nine zero run. So I think the four-guard lineup, uh, that's the way to go. Then you you throw Chauncey a few minutes. I've been impressed with Chauncey, you know, in the the few minutes that he has gotten. Um, But like you said, you know, we don't see him every day in practice. Uh, You know, though, that's when you know the coaches make the decisions on you know who who gets playing time and you know their practice habits. So we don't know what's going on um, in practices. So, uh, but I I do think at this point, you know, what's uh, you know what's the the worst thing? I mean, they're already struggling on offense, so it's not like it can get much worse. So, you know, throw Chauncey, let him play, you know, two stretches uh, and, then, and go from there, you know, throw him like three, four minutes each half and see if, you know, if he plays well, then, you know, then ride him. And if he doesn't, you can pull him quick. So, um, I mean, I think it. a lot of it just goes back to, you know, there's just not very many minutes at the two with Tyson playing so much. But I, I do think you got to at least throw, give him an opportunity uh, with the team struggling this much on offense.
0: All right. We talked earlier. You you mentioned the league is beating up on itself. You don't really see a lot of separation, a lot of tears outside of potentially Houston. And Houston now has lost its two best players for the season, and at some point could start. You know, if people start to diagnose what they've got, you know, on the rest of their roster, they there may be some additional losses there. So, is this a situation buy or sell where we could see the American become? A one bid league this year in the NCAA tournament. Buy
2: or sell Taylor? Uh, I'll sell. I think. Uh, I think so. a second team will emerge. Um, you know, from that group, whether it's Memphis or Central Florida or SMU, or you know, you know, I guess Wichita State has a very slim chance still to turn it around. But uh, you know, Central Florida's got the best, you know, base. To work from right now you know they had a very solid non-conference their net is excellent all they need to do is you know go like 12 and 6 probably um, you know in conference 13 and 5 and you're probably you know looking at an at-large bid so and then I think Memphis you know I think they're you know we saw this last year you know they really struggled the first two three months of the season and then I don't think there was any doubt if you watch Memphis the last you know month six weeks of the season there's no doubt that was an NCAA tournament uh, you know caliber team they took uh, Houston right down to the the last minute uh, both times they played but you know they were so bad the first you know half of the season that w- that really struggled uh, and that, that kept them off so I think uh, I think they could turn it around but I, I do think one of these teams will start to you know maybe pull away a little bit and uh, you know I, I think they'll get a second team in
1: I'm going to sell it as well, but it's very, very close. Like I think that second team is going to be in that like last four in, first four out discussion, similar to how Wichita State was last year. Now, part of me says Memphis could be back in the top 25 here in a few weeks if they you know play the way they look like when they played in Wichita, but they've also shown themselves as a team that can go out and, and lose a game that they're not expected to lose on a regular basis. I'm not so sold on UCF, so whoever that second team is, it's going to be very, very close.
0: All right, and finally a little pivot. Fred Van Vliet making a pretty incredible run in the NBA right now, making that push by sell. You know, he's in Toronto, so what you know, what is the likelihood, you know, trying to get that, that Canadian uh, team to get a, a member into the, the All Star game. But he's making a push, lots of games over thirty points, averaging, you know. Th- you know, thirty five and five over the last handful of weeks. It seems like he's playing really well. So buy or sell, Fred Van Vliet makes the all star game.
1: I'm going to buy it. He's been getting a lot of good press. You know, sometimes when Fred makes good plays, you see it through like Shocker Twitter, you see Taylor post about it, but you don't see it recognized nationally. I've seen it on ESPN, I've seen it on NBA TV. They're recognizing the run that he's been on, and uh, I don't think it'll be as a starter or anything, but as a reserve,
2: I absolutely think he'll he'll be in the discussion. Yeah, big time buy. I think uh, like Dustin said, he's got serious momentum in the media. Uh, I mean, he's obviously not going to get there with the fan voting. But, uh, you know, I think the coaches, that's the biggest thing. If you have the respect of the coaches, uh, then you have a chance because I believe they, they pick the reserves. So, um, yeah, you know, you, Monty Williams came out today, the Suns coach, and he said he, he might be playing better than anyone in the Eastern Conference right now. So um, I think he's got the respect of, uh, you know, the media, um, the the peers, and the coaches. So um, I, I do think that that he gets that nod and uh, he'll be in, uh, in Cleveland. Um, I'm going to have a pretty tough decision to make because um, WSU actually plays in Cincinnati like three days before All-Star game, so it's like going to be in Ohio. But then if I stay for the All-Star game and cover Fred, the same weekend I have miss the Houston game at home. So what do you think, Dustin? What should I do? I'd be happy to stand in for you and write an article. There we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, stay, I'll cover Fred in the All-Star game. We'll get we'll get DK out there and Yeah, special course the arena. to the <laughs> There we go. It's settled
1: yeah you get you if he makes it i think that's more of a story i, I hate to you know be so down on this team but uh, i think more shocker fans have been paying attention to fred here lately than they have some of uh this team's run so uh but we're, we're gonna get things back on track and it's because this show is back well it's great to be back we'll get back on a regular rotation here now that the shockers are in conference play be with you through the end of the season two big home games that i i think the shockers get back on track this week and really you know if you go from 0-2 to 2-2 with where the rest of the league is outside of uh houston and memphis right now you kind of climb right back into that that upper tier at least that top six or so so should be a good week for the shockers we'll be with you here all season on talk angry and what should our listeners do taylor
2: rate is five stars
0: This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ICTpod.net.